0: Back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in beautiful, sunny, scenic Elizabeth Park, also quarantined, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the award winning 615 Sessions Podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com. That's right, we're award winners around here on the pod, the Nashville scene, best of 2020. Shout out to you guys for voting the 615 Sessions, the best podcast slash radio show, best sports podcast slash radio show in this here city. I, also, the best sports reporter in Nashville, according to the Nashville scene in 2020. A credit to you guys as well. I don't know if any of that's true, but the people say what the people say, and we will take the compliments regardless. We are also happy. We'll talk about that later on in the pod. I don't want to get too self-involved on the front end. Diana Russini of ESPN. She's today's guest. We had about a half-hour conversation about all of the great reporting she's done on the Titans. She covered the Bills and Titans game here on Tuesday night. We caught up in the press box. I texted her. I said, hey, come do the pod. And she was great. She's got a bunch of great stories, a lot of them Taylor Lewan involved, that we'll get to later on in the show. But in the meantime, i got to tell you about the fine folks who present this award-winning podcast, and that is our friends at Two Rivers Ford. You know why they're the best in the business? For a great many reasons. For all of the service that they have provided Middle Tennessee over the course of almost 40 years working and serving this local community. Now they're trying to serve the underserved as it relates to the musical community. Nashville is known across the globe for being Music City. And we all know COVID 19 has really taken a toll on the music, especially the small local independent music venues that so many of us love. Third and Lindsay, Cannery Ballroom, Rudy's Jazz Room, Springwater Supper Club and Lounge, The Station Inn, The Five Spot. Love the Spot Five Spot on a Monday, by the way. Not that I can drink anymore on a Monday. I got the primetime show. But I digress. Two Rivers Ford has teamed up with Music Venue Alliance of Nashville to drive the music and help keep our local music venues afloat. All October, music fans everywhere, and sports fans too, can donate to help keep independent music alive in Nashville by purchasing a Drive the Music t-shirt for $30 at www.drivethemusicnashville.com. 100% of the profits will go to the Music Venue Alliance and will be distributed from the Music Venue Alliance to all of the fine venues, many of the fine venues who uh, are in the Alliance. We want to keep the music alive in the 615. You can do that with our friends at Two Rivers Ford by going to drivethemusicnashville.com. Now, let's get to Diana. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. Joining us is one of the best and brightest in the NFL business, Diana Russini from ESPN. You know her from all of your NFL coverage. She, does, she hosts a bunch of the NFL programming on ESPN as well. In fact, she does a great Twitter show with our dear friend Jason Fitz, Monday tailgate that you can see before every Monday night football game. Uh, Diana, I really appreciate you stopping by. What's up?
1: I heard that this is the number one sports podcast in the country right now. And that's why I'm here. So I'm really excited to join this big show. No. And I mean, I, I I did see something about some ranking. And, and you're like in a top top area of something. What is it that you're achieving here?
0: So, uh, precious little, unless you're my mother, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> uh, the The Nashville Scene, a local publication here, in uh, in our fair music city, puts out a a best of every year. So they have the best of you know you get best of cheeseburgers, best of dive bars, best of media coverage, and fortunately, the six one five sessions was the uh, reader's choice for the best sports podcast and radio show in twenty twenty. So I appreciate uh, your acknowledgments. I uh, I will await. I will send the the check is in the mail. Is a- that is
1: incredible. You should be really proud of that because I feel like listeners to podcasts, especially, and I think, the, I think a podcast listen is really intimate. You are stuck in these people's ears and they choose you. They have to go find you. So that, that's incredible. And, and do not be, uh, embarrassed at all that you are so proud to be the 615, uh, champ of podcasts. I was on the cover of 201 magazine, mm. which is the North Jersey, Bergen County area magazine. And I thought it wasn't a big deal, um, because I get to be on national TV all the time, but. Uh, my parents is the only thing hanging on the fridge um, in their kitchen now. Nothing else I've ever done, just that. So um, it's that hometown love. There's nothing better than it.
0: No doubt. No doubt. You got to do it for the hometown people. I, and I do love the podcast. You do, you do plenty of podcasts, radios yourself. I hear you on Levitard Show all the time, which is an entirely different experience. Uh, but one of, uh, one of my favorite without question. Uh, and it, it is true. You, you, you are the voice in people's head. Uh, so I, I, do, I do appreciate that relationship that we have with our audience and the fact that we have such great guests who carry my ass when we do the podcast. So we're grateful for Diana Russini's presence. Been a lot of stuff going on. You and I were chatting before, uh, before we got rolling here about just everything that you have had to do, that everybody in NFL media has had to do to, to continue with the coverage of football as if things were normal. And you were here on Tuesday night for a little pandemic tuesday night football between the Tennessee Titans and the Bills. So I figured we chatted up about that and everything else that you've had going on cuz you've been you've been on it with Titans news. People, you are one of the people's go-to sources for information. You've been crushing it so far here at Le- and certainly in the local market. But I guess I, how how has it been? I know you you and I just talked about this, but for the audience I guess just kind of put it into context what what your travel schedule has been like to find yourself in Nashville on a Tuesday night.
1: Well, Tuesday was weird and awesome. I feel like all combined in one. I, I still don't know what day of the week it is, right? It really threw us off, which you got to imagine if it's throwing us off, what is it doing to the players and, and the coaches who are so regimented about their schedules and the way they live and the way they prepare Uh, which is why I think Titans fans should definitely have some concerns against Houston coming into town because of all that. And I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, But, but just for an NFL reporter right now, it's, we are only going to games that are considered to be premier um, that are in big markets. Disney is, is really being careful and cautious about travel. So, uh, we have to go through a lot of different protocols. I get tested every week. Um, you know they're just trying to be really careful and the biggest loss for 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 me personally is really the interaction, and every reporter feels that way, um, but specifically for me, because I don't cover just one team, so the only time I'm seeing players is game day usually unless it's the playoffs and I get to go to some practices so Post-game locker room access, 90% of the conversations I have aren't even about the game when I see some of the guys because it's like fast catch-up on life because I haven't seen their faces um, you know, or I'm out of town a lot. So right. to not have that anymore and to completely rely on my phone, uh, which is scary because it, you could think you have a decent amount of contacts, but it's never enough. It's never, you, you, you know, I don't have a lot of phone numbers and of agents and players and coaches. I have an okay amount. Uh, but for, for what is required for the kind of coverage we're doing now, um, it makes it really hard. And I, and I miss, I miss talking. I love covering football cause I like football players. I like talking to them. I like learning. I like being in the environment and we don't get to do that anymore. You know, oh. and it was, it was great to be in Nashville to see fans. That was fun. Um, Saw a couple of Buffalo Bills fans there. I Actually, saw a lot of them and did like that.
0: Uh, but, these these traders, you get eighty five hundred in the stadium, and you're selling them to Bills fans. I the Bills, the Bills fans. I can't even be mad at them though. They they travel unlike any other. It's incredible. I love
1: I love Bills Mafia. I went up there last year, <laughs> and I was a little anti because I'm from the North New Jersey area, so we're we're Jets Giants people, and the Bills were always just kind of like the team that wants to be New York. I mean, they are New York, but they want to be New York. That's how I used to look at them. Like, Oh, they're in the suburbs. They don't know anything. Um, it's at least a 30 not, minute
0: Amtrak ride.
1: Exactly. No, it's 30. It's a long flight. It's a long uh, train ride up there and it's cold and it's miserable, but I, I've gone up there and I've been fortunate enough to cover them and their fans are why I love. them. I mean, actually the, 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 the Bill's players are great too, but um, I got to be part of Bill's mafia for pregame and I didn't get to drink, but it was, there was enough alcohol in the air. I was hammered. Like I was just, I was definitely hammered. (laughs) Uh, But just their, their energy is amazing and and they're, they're great. But look, the Titans fans too. They, you know, I was chatting with a bunch of them when I was getting ready to go live on sports center and stuff. And I mean, Titans fan base, they're, they're really passionate and very aggressive on Twitter I'm sorry to those out there that get really mad at me over everything.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second because, like I said, you've been, especially with the, with the Tannehill stuff, going back to, I think, if I remember correctly, um, the, the coming into that season and then once, once there was talk of him potentially, Mariota uh, potentially being replaced and you had the information about them looking to resign Ryan Tannehill to a long-term deal, I think that was around the Oakland game. In December, like people have been, people here in Nashville, I, you you are being entirely too generous with them, Diana. Because I would not yeah. be, I would not be so diplomatic with with the amount of with the amount of just reaction that you got to simply doing your job and reporting the news. That's always inexplicable to me.
1: I just got married and I put in the vows. Um, you must love love me as much as Nashville loves Marcus Mariota, Oof. because that's what was always the bottom line of it. That was always what the, the tone was. It was, I don't care that you're telling me that the organization is really trying to move in a different direction. I, I don't care about the facts. We love him. We're invested. We can't let go. And the commitment so many fans had to him was so impressive. Um, so, you know, when, when you're covering all these different teams and, and you know, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of my NFL colleagues at ESPN, we very rarely get into the weeds about fan bases and people's Twitter because you have to handle it. We're all adults and everybody deals with their own amount of hate. But the Titans fan base is the only group that had us talking behind the scenes about their hate of what like Chris Long and I talk about it all the time. I am like, why are Titans fans so angry and mad all the time, no matter what happens. And I have grown to now appreciate and love their commitment to just being mean. <laughs> 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 Even when it's like, dude, I could tweet anything tomorrow. And, uh, that's Tennessee related, and there's gonna be three or four in there are just like, "You're stupid, you dumb bitch."
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. It's a podcast. I am. Oh, you are totally. You are totally fine. <laughs> uh, and and uh, listen, well, I, I've called. I've called them as a fan base much nastier things. Don't worry
1: about. But, it. I, but, but again, there's an appreciation there too because they're just they're they have their own mindset on thought process on it and. Um, you know, in terms of breaking more stories this year, and I'm so glad you brought up the Ryan Tannehill, uh, Marcus Mariota um, competition, we'll call it, back during training camp. I remember I said it on GetUp. Um, very much no, like, I, you, you could imagine, I trust the people that had shared that with me. Sure. Um, but I said it thinking that all of Nashville knew that. Like, I thought that was, like, out there. So after I start talking about how the competition's heating up and it's not that Ryan is that much better, but it's just, there's just a mood there that they're ready. They're, they're losing patience with Marcus. They they were looking for more. Um, and so, yeah, then fast forward to December about, you know, obviously when, when Ryan was the, the starter and, and, you know, we know Tennessee doesn't like to do, do during the season, but there was definitely conversations being had. And I mean, even then no one wanted to give up on Marcus, but um, you know, I wish Marcus the best. Now I, I actually root for him on am hope. Well, he's probably not gonna see any time this year, but uh, all the best to him. But it's worked out. That's that's what's important for, for Ryan Tannehill and Titans, especially after what we saw last
0: week. Yeah. And listen, uh, retrospect is an easy thing to do, but these they don't know how good they got it. I mean, I, I've only been covering them for about five years. I got I got the job down here out of college and uh, I went to Indiana, came down here and they sucked. They were absolutely terrible. My first year here, it was uh, they won three games. It was Marcus's rookie year. Uh, they ended up having the first overall pick, and then they traded it to the Rams, the whole Jared Goff thing, all, all and all and all. And then, you know, even when they were winning, because every year that I've covered them, they have not had a losing season. Nine and seven in the NFL, pretty good. But with Marcus and the style of football that they played, I, I hated to watch them. Diana, I hated to watch them. It was so I could not. It was the biggest frustration that I could not change the channel on them in the press box because it was just such a sluggish, laboring situation for them. They were not aesthetically pleasing. And then Ryan Tannehill comes in here. They're scoring thirty points a game. It's borderline football porn. It's incredible what Arthur Smith and this this coaching staff has been able to get out of him. The resurgence. Is uh is really unlike anything that I have seen in my football consuming uh in football consuming life, or or professionally anyway. But the Marcus thing is so real. I, he, yeah, he is. Uh, Saint Marcus is uh, unlike anything else. You know, it's not it's not Steve McNair. It's not Andy George. It's not not people who have historically won for this franchise, but. What, what he what he represents as a human being more than a football player, I think, is why people gravitated towards him the way that he did you know up until the last when it's the worst football game that I've ever seen played in Denver when he got benched. Yeah, things transpired the way that they did.
1: They've obviously come or everyone has come around on Tannehill now and, and you know what Arthur Smith has done, uh, probably before this Tuesday game. Uh, I would never tell Arthur this, but Brian Dable is without a doubt my favorite offensive coordinator. Uh, I've also known Brian for like it has to be 15 years now, Um, going back all the way back to like New York Jets days. And uh, I don't know. I I think he's really creative. I think he's aggressive. I think what he's done with Josh Allen was tremendous. But but Arthur now is just second for me. But he's moved into first now that he got that win and and has obviously been able to develop and, and really give this offense such an identity i love talking to defensive coordinators before they go up against tennessee um about what they see and and there's always so yes they start with derrick henry it's there's no question everyone talks about the run game but there's so much respect on ryan Tannehill, almost like behind the scenes more than i think the public likes to talk about him i find coaches are more fearful of his ability than what 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 you know, team, what would fan bases think that he can do? Um, I think we can safely say now, though, that everyone is sold on him in Tennessee and and him getting the deal and, and, and all that worked out. But you talk about the little bit of a sour taste in the mouths of people about Tennessee pre this season and even this season. And I can tell you as uh, someone that's been fortunate enough to cover Tennessee for f- four or five years now, Initially, when I got to ESPN, I the only reason why I started covering Tennessee was because I was new and not very good. Sure, sure. <laughs> So I never got the big games. And- oh
0: yeah, I t- talk to Cam Wolf about this all the time when okay. you down to Miami. Like you're not you're not telling these people anything they don't know. It's all right. Yeah.
1: So okay, I, it was just a—it's it, not punishment, but it was let's send the new girl who's greener than the greenest grass you can find in all the land to Tennessee and let's see how she does. Um, and so I—I I pretty much fell in love with Nashville years ago, and because of that, I have felt connected to the team. Of, and then they started to get better as as I started to grow at ESPN, and even last year. They weren't – They like, when I tell you I had to beg my bosses to send me to come cover practice before the wild card, like, what? No, like, I remember
0: talking to you about it when you, when you came to St. Thomas Sports Park. I'm like, how you know, how difficult is it for you to get a trip here or, you know, to, to, to come and cover this particular team? How, how difficult is the justification uh, for, for the network? And you were, you were very honest about it
1: yeah it's been hard, and, and I've shared it with the organization too, like hey like I, I want to get you guys on TV more and get you the coverage because I think you deserve it, but I think it's just been a difficult um almost like a, a, a bit of a marketing reason, and we can talk about this some other time, but there, there's a lot of reasons why I don't think Tennessee has really slapped the faces of the big networks um, you know in the face yet with the fact that they actually have great stories and they have great people, and the organization is is while they are considered to be newer and younger, um, they're just as popular, and and could and can be even more. Um, but yeah, I think it's getting a little easier. I, I don't want to. Obviously, COVID has made Tennessee the story of the year in a sense because it is the story of. I mean, you can probably make an argument that COVID nineteen is maybe the story of the decade for us as a as a, as a, as a the world. Societally, yeah, you, you know. Um, so, unfortunately, that put them back in the light. And, you know, oh, yeah, they're undefeated.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time to have an undefeated football team and for them to have gone through the past, you know, 16 days. And I'm curious, I guess, as to, as to how, like, you, you have consumed all of these things. Because I know, I know that when I wake up, I'm, I'm a team reporter. Uh, my job is to also keep up with what's going on with the Tennessee Titans. And I know that every morning for the past six, you know, two, two weeks – I'm sitting there refreshing my feed because people aren't getting back to me fast enough. I'm trying to wait to see what Diana Rossini, Tom Pellicero saying about who tested positive today. Because I want to know if I could go to work. Today is the first day I've been at Titans practice in the better part of 18 days. It's been totally oh wild.
1: Goodness,
0: yeah. So from your perspective, being on the other end of that, you know, what has what has it been like reporting that kind of situation specifically and then ultimately leading up to that Tuesday night football game where – everybody in the NFL seems to have laser focused their frustrations on Tennessee, rightly or wrongly. And listen, I, I know that they've done stuff wrong to, to be under criticism for the league. They will be, they will be, you know, the, the punishments will come down as they will in a couple of weeks. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but I guess, can you just kind of walk people through that situation from your perspective? Cause you've been on it from the jump.
1: I don't think the punishments are going to be that severe. No. I, I I think they're going to get pinned for a couple little mask things that John Robinson mentioned the other day in the press conference but you know I, I've been trying to figure out how I want to take a stand on this because I I have the information from all sides that being the front office uh, you know of the NFL the NFLPA and and of Tennessee and it just seems like there was a a miscommunication with some of the details there and and some of the things that they were allowed to do. And it's not as bad and and callous as I feel the rest of the world thinks that Tennessee was. Um, We all know that the league would have made this team forfeit if it was that bad, if they were doing things to harm and ruin the season. Um, But in terms of just the day-to-day on it, uh, every person that I talked to in the NFL – in the league office, the NFLPA, and even in Tennessee, everyone everyone's up at four AM, which is insane. Yeah, um, and I don't mean up like dragging, like wide awake. Up. up. And everyone's talking to everybody uh, because no nobody was sleeping during that entire two week uh, period. There, I actually started to go to bed earlier because I would set my alarm for like three forty five. I would be up just starting to talk to the people on the East coast that I talked to. And obviously you guys being on central time waiting for the central time people to find out stuff and to be very open with you. Sometimes I knew things before the league and the league knew things before the team. Like it was, there was just a lot of talk. Mm. Um, But it was, it was um, emotional is the right word because it was so stressful for, for the team to wait. And know that their whole day was going to revolve around those answers. Um, and, you know, I think people, it was pretty clear that the league was was sharing a lot of information as you saw a lot of national reporters getting, getting it. Um, but yeah, no, that it was stressful. It was tiring. I, I, I mean, what's funny is I had my source from New York send me a note on Wednesday morning and I was exhausted from the game the night before. And I was like, Oh yeah, we're still doing this. Like he's like <laughs> It's ongoing. You know, <laughs> yeah, like I forgot. It's like it's almost like I thought we, once Tennessee started to play, they beat COVID. You oh, know, no. I was like, that's not what it is. So it's like, Hey, Tennessee, clean tax. I'm like, Oh, great. You know, so you know, I sent out my Mass text to everybody that uh, I'm, I'm tight with. That was like, hey, you guys are clean, or you know, players. That was another thing that that was always the really interesting side too. Sometimes players wouldn't hear yet because I guess I don't I don't know how Tennessee communicates to their guys. I'm assuming they use the there's like a like a teams program that all, and you can like instant message each other like a Slack yeah, exactly. And they just communicate that way. I'm, I'm assuming that's what they do. I know like almost every other team does. Uh, but sometimes they weren't getting messages. So I'd have guys on the team like anything, anything. And because they wanted to know what their day was going to be. So yeah, that was awful. It was a nightmare. I don't wish it upon anybody. Um, and, and let's just hope that that Tennessee never has to deal with this and no other team ever does for the rest of the year.
0: Which no doubt. No doubt. I don't they know. Do. I don't and know. They continue, to, they continue to work people back in off the COVID-19 list because there's still like seven of them that are sitting I, out I,
1: there. <laughs> so, Buck, you know what I was thinking about? Um, you know how we all, anyone listening to this that has been in a public area probably had to fill out some form. Have you been exposed to anybody with COVID in the last 14 days? Do you think Tennessee players say, yeah, 24?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, half, the, half the roster. Half the roster.
1: But what's their answer when they fill those forms out?
0: I mean, well, they, listen, they're not—they're not supposed to be going anywhere anyway, so they better not be filling out any forms of any kind unless they want to get their get their season postponed again. But right. uh, yeah, your point is well taken. I mean, I was—I was talking to one of the guys who tested positive actually right before we popped on, and and they're just you know they're just stuck in their houses, and 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 they, uh, you know, these guys get shoved in a giant metal tube to travel together, and and we all know the the kind of the kind of timeline for defensive play caller Shane Bowen and and whether the protocol was acceptable for them to travel and him to not, and all of these things gone by, but it's just, it's, it's such, it's such a taxing thing as it has been on all of us who have worked through 2020 in some form or fashion uh, to have to, to have to deal with things as well, these things as well. But
1: but you touched on something that I don't think is being spoken about on the national level, which is, I think a lot of people believe that the Titans did things that were against protocol to get advantages. Whereas a lot of people don't know that that flight to Minnesota was, we'll call the deadly weapon. That was really the reasoning for the spread of that. wasn't contact tracing. That's, that was it. It wasn't the practices from, from what I can tell from from the review uh, for the people I've spoken to that are part of that it It was all that flight and and you know, I saw a lot of responses on social media to Ryan's quotes post game about him you know using some of that um criticism about the way Tennessee has handled everything as motivation, and you know I was reading some of the responses from people I really respect in the business, and I just don't think everyone has the facts, and people are going really quick. To pin them down for being uh, sloppy with this, when when I don't think it was as bad as it, as it's being let out.
0: Well, and I think that's kind of the you, you know you Titans fans Titans fans are mean as hell and they're frustrated. Uh, we talked about that earlier in the pod, but it's because you know, they get ignored a lot. They're a very easy fr- for a long time. They've been a very easy franchise to ignore, and so when they you know when they go to their favorite national NFL reporter and they see things that don't necessarily add up with what they're being told on the local level and it's not like the local people's word is gospel on this there's plenty of stuff that we miss or that falls through the cracks or that you know national people may get over us whatever the case may be but it just was never as malicious as as they were being painted yeah. uh and i think i think because you know i i mean and and we all hear about things that as you mentioned what john robinson talked about with the masks and you hear about things that go down in the training rooms, whether they were following the protocol exactly to a T or whatever that caused, you know, this this review for the NFL to, you know, for them to be required to turn over the tapes, in essence, but everything that led up to that was all tracked back to that flight. And and I think people are pretty quick to, uh, to ignore that dismiss that or just not even see it in the first place. And the thing with the players, I mean, they've been, they've been catching it on all sides, even here locally. Like Paul Koharski, I love Paul. He's a regular guest co-host on this podcast. And I told him this, you've got to get the dates right on those workouts. If you're going to put it out there that they're in violation of the protocol and that they're holding these workouts across you know college campuses and high schools in Middle Tennessee, you've got to get the dates right. So the players just start screaming on social media, which is very, very rare, A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, and then a bunch of them start blowing me up about this is, this is not right, his dates are inaccurate, we were not told this, this was not communicated to us on Slack, and then you know I'm able, I, I'm able to advance the reporting and then other people are able to advance the reporting based on that and the information changes. But it's all just been, been, uh, been twisted, I guess, in an interesting way from start to finish. The reaction, though, because you talk about once, once they won, right, you, you're, you think the, the COVID situation with the Titans is done. They, they kick the Bills' ass, they kick COVID's ass, everybody's moving on. But then you see a lot of people responding to the Titans video that they put out of Taylor Lewan, and he's saying they, they hate to see it, you know, don't put us in adversity, yada, yada, yada. And the, the, the vitriol in response to that video Still based off of still based off of these of people's assumptions about Tennessee, I'm wonder I'm wondering what you what you what you hear what you see because you're looking at this from a much larger world view than any of us here in Nashville.
1: I'm looking at it from a much larger world view, but like you, I have the information. Right. So the only thing I can do is to make sure. ESPN is reporting it the right way. And when I'm on shows with analysts who, for example, Bart Scott, you know, was basically saying last week, suspend Mike Grable for the rest of the year. I'm like, for what? And they went to commercial and we've talked on commercial break. I'm like, Bart, like, no, like you're, you're not understanding. This was not, uh, you know, as we discussed, this is not, It, it was just, they didn't do this intentionally. There were some small errors with the math, like, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the only thing you could do is just continually try to report it and report it the way the facts are. And, and I certainly would not be scared if if I had information that proved that, you know, John Robinson had it the whole time and was walking around hugging everybody. I would put that be the first one to jump on that. Um, big
0: hugger, J-Rob. Big, <laughs> big, <laughs> affectionate. big affectionate.
1: Yeah. Uh, furthest <laughs> thing from it. Um, you know, so I, I just think, I just don't think enough people know the information for it from a national level to swing and get people to start thinking smartly. Everyone is just taking the clickbait and the low hanging fruit of, Oh, Tennessee got investigated guilty. They're the reasons why football is going to come to an end. Cancel Tennessee, you know? And unfortunately that stuff, it, it, it spreads like wildfire fire and you've seen it all over our air. Um, but you know, I, I'm pretty communicative with the people on the NFL side at the company about it. And they see my emails of, here's the facts, here's what we should go with. Let's be careful. Um, you know, and the Taylor Lawan video, I didn't really take that as, and then, you know, Keller better than I do, way better than I do. Although I threw up on him once, which I'll tell ah, that story.
0: Whoa, whoa, to... whoa, whoa, whoa. Everything comes to a screeching halt right there. What?
1: What? <laughs> okay. So I'm at the Pro Bowl. And by the way, and, if anybody
0: deserved it, it's Taylor. If anybody <laughs> deserved
1: it, it's, football, it's I mean, you talk about going from having, like, a really respectful working relationship with somebody to then throwing up on them, and then you're embarrassed by it, so then I have to see him all the time, and I just – I hate it. This is actually where I love COVID, because I don't have to see him. Because <laughs> he loves to remind me. Oh,
0: sure. He's the worst.
1: So I was at the Pro Bowl two years ago, and – um a player actually from the bills uh, who I've known for a long time, sent me a text and said, Hey, my wife's friend isn't coming to the universal studios um, park tonight. Cause what they do is they shut universal down and they give players passes and the park is theirs. He's like, do you want to come with us? Like take the pass, you know, enjoy the ride. You know, it was really nice of him to do that. So I said, yeah, yeah I- I'll go. And I had, Felt a little nauseous earlier in the day. I was interviewing Alvin Kamara, and I cover Alvin a lot. I cover the Saints as probably, like, the number one team I cover. And Al said to me, right after the interview, he looked at me, he said, you look green. Mm-hmm. I said, I do? He's said, no, I'm just really white. He's like, no, you look green. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not feeling great. So fast forward, I go to Universal, still kind of just, you know, we've all been there. You know that feeling. You're just not right. But I didn't want to miss this opportunity. I want to go on the Hulk. I wanted to go on all the rides. And I'm online. Well, it's barely a line. Um, but it's it's Will and it's, it's Taylor, their wives and girlfriends. And I'm like, hi, guys. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they were in the row in front of me um, on the Hulk Hogan ride, no. which your arms are pinned behind you. Um, I had my hair down. And I was next to Taylor's brother-in-law. Yeah, so it's Taylor's wife's brother. Mm. And the bride goes, and I'm telling you, the first loop-de-loop, I'm like, this is going to be an awful experience. (laughs) And it was, by the second loop-de-loop, I had thrown up all over his brother-in-law, all over Taylor's head, his hands, his wife, Will's. They, everybody had to, Diana, no. <laughs> it was in my hair. It was all over my shirt. It was so embarrassing. And the best part is, and this is like, of course. So Taylor was like so nice about it. He didn't, he didn't embarrass me. He made me go grab a beer and chug it and was like, you just need to like beat it. Hour through. I'm like, I'm not going to power through this. Like, this is not like this. Like I had a bug, like I straight up had some sort of stomach bug. Cause sure. I threw up for a whole nother day. Like it was, it was the worst two days of my life. Um, but no, I'm not even being dramatic. I was actually I had breakfast with my mother this morning and we were talking about it. She's like, I cannot believe you did all that. It was so funny that we're talking about this now. But, um, <laughs> so I stayed with them. I kept fighting through it. And I finally quit and tell her to the day, it was like, I give you so like you pow you tried so hard I was sweating it reminded me of that scene in bridesmaids you know yes. when she's like you know you want to puke and she's like oh no I'm good I'm good <laughs> you know so um yeah that's my cabo one puke on a story unfortunately and yeah I guess it bonds us in a way but. Um, I forgot what we we're talking about.
0: In terms, it, of it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> it. It, it, it's, it sticks, Diana, because that's the that's the clip that they're going to use when they promo this out. On oh, so- this is
1: going like to be a terrible response. It'll be like, oh, "Yep, it was disgusting."
0: One thousand percent. And that's, I mean, that's just what we say down here. Bless your heart. That's a, bless your heart. Oh, yep. that is such a bad. But you know, all all credit in the world to you because I would I woulda uh, I woulda uh, tapped out. So I hell, I probably wouldn't even got on the ride. I'm not a yeah. person. By any stretch of the imagination, but good on you for that. And 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 you know, for as as for Lawan, like sweet justice, like he has done so many foul things to so many people. If anybody deserved to be vomited on, it's Taylor lawan So you're, you're, oh, okay. you're okay. We're
1: forever connected through my vomit. So <laughs> all
0: right, I have kept you for entirely too long. You're an incredibly busy person, but I cannot uh, I cannot let you go without quickly talking about this Bills Titans game because this this going to be a problem. I think for them, their injury report. Literally, I had to put it out in two pictures when they just sent it to us in an email. They are banged up, and I don't know what people expect because they just, you know, they uh, they were off for 16 days. They played a whole ass football game, and they're banged up because of it.
1: Yeah, and and Houston has rest. That's the issue, you know. Houston's got three days extra rest there. Um, A lot of those injuries are hamstrings, things that we kind of I think assumed was going to happen because they had been off for so long. I mean. I say that in, in one breath and then the other. You know, I kept pounding before the game started, even with that execution and conditioning was going to be their biggest issue. Go figure, not really. Um, but yeah, no, I think now they're dealing with it. I My, my biggest thing headed into this game is more, it, it's actually more mental. I think that, you know, uh, the X's and O's, the matchup between these two, I do think they favor in Tennessee's, uh, it weighs in on Tennessee, or at least it helps them. Um, but I think there was a little us against the world last week. And, and I think they weren't sure what they could do knowing that they hadn't had practice. And, you know, it was two or three for those two week span or 16 day span. I think sometimes this is where you, you, you put your foot off the gas pedal a little, you know, and, and I'm going to assume this coaching staff is coaching with their hair on fire this week, knowing obviously that, that they, they cannot let up because all of a sudden the Texans are having fun with Romeo Cornell, get rid of Bill O'Brien. And now like, I just, these quotes make me laugh. I'm like, wait, so now you guys are finding yourselves. Um, and, and the thing is they can, if, if, if they win this game, the Texans season <laughs> turns around completely. And they know that I talked to the people with the, with the Texans this morning uh, on the coaching staff, just trying to figure out some game plan stuff. And they were touching on that of like they they it's a little bit of a trap game. They they kind of feel like they can catch Tennessee coming off this high and maybe feel themselves a little too much.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It'll be, uh, it'll be fascinating to, uh, to play out. All I know is I'm, I'm glad to be back at work for, for better or worse. And, uh, and I'm happy to have had Diana Russini of ESPN. You can follow her on all of the socials at Diana ESPN. She's a tremendous follow informationally on Twitter and a great time on Instagram worth your follow. Uh, either way, Diana, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out and continue to stay safe and well. We'll catch up again soon.
1: Thanks. Next time we hang out, we'll go on roller coaster together.
0: <laughs> Just don't <laughs> puke on me. Just don't <laughs> puke on. Me. All right, Diana was spectacular, and hopefully she will join us uh, once more at some point down the road during the football season here on the Six One Five Sessions podcast, the award-winning Six One Five Sessions podcast, which I will opine at great length later on. In the show, but first we got to get to the mailbag, and before we get to the mailbag, we got to tell you about the people who present the Zoom line that Diana joined us on. That is our friends at Tame the Beast. Getbeast.com is where you go. The promo code is Beast2020, an exclusive promo code for A to Z Sports audiences that saves you twenty percent off on all of their great grooming products. It's a locally owned business here in Nashville, Tennessee. Shout out Jay Wilkerson and John Cascarano, the two founders of Beast Brands. And it's great stuff that they provide to you. At Beast Brands, they provide personal care and grooming products for beasts of all kinds. They're all-in-one Tame the Beast body wash, the shampoo, the tingle, so- uh, the tingle shampoo is my favorite, conditioner, soaps, lotions, shaving supplies that all feature arousing scents and energizing properties. And, even better, they're all produced in the USA, with globally sourced ingredients. Their stimulating scents are derived from all natural, intense botanicals that you can feel. Good stuff from the earth like eucalyptus, ginseng, guarana, green tea, pomegranate, bacchanal, and moringa. Check them out at getbeast.com. Make sure that you use that promo code beast2020. All right, it's been a minute since we've done a mailbag. Things have been crazy, things have been hectic. Uh Tuesday night football all of the all of the events of the last what uh, the better part of 16, 17, 18, 19 days. It's been a minute since we've done the mailbag. And you can always, by the way, submit your mailbag questions by sliding into my DMs at Buck Rising on Instagram. Several of you have done so. We will start with Warner08 who writes, "Hey man, first off big fan of the job you do on the Titans, sir." Second, is there a reason a lot of reporters yesterday for the game were in the stands? Are our, our press boxes not open for you guys, or were you just out taking a stroll? So, what Warner is talking about there is Tuesday night football, um, a lot of us, it was the first time you guys were in the stands, a lot of you guys were in the stands, and it was the first time that any of us had been together in a COVID-19 football game at Nissan Stadium. So what I uh, what, what was happening is there's a certain amount of access that we had in every other season that has been removed from us because of the COVID-19 protocols, right? So we still watch from the press box together as media. We have, uh, we have all kinds of plexiglass separating us at each individual seat, but pregame, In a normal year, we have locker room below the stadium and field access. That's where we get all the video and pictures from pregame when we tweet, post stuff on Instagram, whatever the case may be. That's myself, Kaharski, Jimmy Wyatt, Eric Bacharach, Teron Davenport. We were all, and yesterday, because we don't have that access this year, we can't go down on the field anymore. Social distancing protocol and whatnot. So we got to do all this stuff from the stands, but we can only do it from like 20 rows up. Because those first twenty rows are closed in what's called the operational zone. I don't know how many people care about this, but this is Warner's question, so I figured I would oblige. Uh, so because of that, you had probably I would say five or six media members of the Titans media corps scurrying around the uh, the seats in Nissan Stadium, trying to get the best angles of the tunnel, trying to get the best angles. Of Jadavion Clowney stretching, of A.J. Brown catching passes pregame, but meanwhile you guys are all trying to find your seats. So that is the situation with our change in access in this COVID-19 season. And to answer Warner's question, uh, that is indeed the case. Let us move on for another mailbag question. This one comes courtesy of Shrike on uh, of Shrike in my Instagram DMs. Eldon English, his handle is Shrike. Uh, There's a certain number that I should attach to Shrike. Shrike Shrike113, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, this is a long one. Hey Buck, I have a question about the business side of what you do. If you aren't comfortable answering, that's completely fine, as, as I don't know where the line is drawn between information exchange. Ooh, okay, spicy. When doing a story, like when the players come to you to tell you about what they were told... And this isn't a reveal your sources question as asking, for, as asking for that is idiotic for anyone to expect from a reporter. Are you expected to tell your bosses which players are telling you this before running the story? Okay, that's interesting. Is it up to your discretion to tell them or is it more you don't tell anyone because journalistic integrity and Austin and Zach just trust you because of your work? and so they don't ask questions. Is it a different expectation depending on the employer as well? I guess what works with any story, not just with the players, just always been curious as to the business side of reporting news like that and how that works. Whether you answer or not, thank you for your time. Uh, Well, Eldon, that was a lot of stuff crammed into one very, very long question, and that's fine. I'm happy to answer. So what he's referring to is the story that I reported out well, I guess the story that I advanced the reporting on, Paul Kaharski's initial news piece about the Tennessee Titans hosting workouts at NBA and Belmont outside of the COVID-19 protocol after they were told that the facility was to be shut down. Now we all saw the reaction that the players had to Paul's story, right? They felt like they were that they were being portrayed wrongly. They they were made to, you know, to be honest, they were made to look like assholes in front of a national audience. And basically what Diana and I talked about earlier in the pod kind of speaks to that framing. And Paul's story was a big part of it. And we talked we talked with Paul, uh, or I don't know if we talked with Paul on the podcast since then. I think that might have been a conversation just between me and Paul. But regardless, <clears throat> Paul knows he got it wrong. He apologized. That is what it is. But after Paul's initial report was put out, what Eldon is referring to is many players came to me And it's because I have a good relationship with a lot of the guys. A lot of the guys, uh, you know, and I think you guys can tell the dynamic that we have with the players on the podcast. It's different than your traditional interview. So after Paul published that article, I had a lot of guys talking to me about, no, this this isn't right. This is factually incorrect. The dates are incorrect. The situation, the time frame, the timeline, rather, for the protocol, when we were told and when things were actually shut down. Paul is missing a piece here. So that's why the players came to me, and then I advanced the reporting with the player side of the story. Now, as to the business side of things, I, it, is my, it is my obligation as a media member, as a journalist, as a reporter, as a gas bag, whatever you want to call me, as somebody who is a purveyor of information, I can never reveal my sources to anyone, but what he's asking about is my bosses, and that's a very important point. I will tell you, Eldon, that it depends on the magnitude of the story. I don't always reveal my sources to Austin and Zach. In fact, very rarely do I, and a lot of times they know because they they're connected themselves. They they understand what's going on. But it de- it very much depends on the story. So in this particular case, with the players that we're talking about, I did not reveal the names of the players who I spoke to. It would be wrong of me to do so. It would jeopardize the players, and the the reason that they they're comfortable talking to me is because they know I won't tell anybody that they're talking to me, you know, or at least I, I will tell people that I'm talking to them, but I won't put their names on it. That's a very very important part because it's about it's about their job security too, right? John Robinson, Mike Gravel, not going to like the idea that players are talking to the media outside of the regularly scheduled Zoom calls, especially with the team under investigation or under review by the NFL for the kinds of things that the players were talking to me about. So in this particular case, given that it was players that I was speaking to, no. Have I told Austin and Zach who I'm talking to before so that they can have a better grasp of where I'm at in the reporting of a story or how much further I have to go in the reporting of the story or if they think that my source is too shaky and that I need to get a few more before I run with the story? That's how, that particular, uh, that's how that particular angle of the business works. That is this week's 615 Sessions mailbag. As always, slide in my DMs and leave your questions at BuckRising on Instagram. We'll make sure to get to them every Thursday on the pod. The award-winning 615 Sessions pod. Man, I <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to talk about this without being self-congratulatory, without being self-involved, without to be honest, without being a douchebag. Um, But what I will say is something that I expressed on Twitter, and you guys who have been with me for a long time, you've heard this shtick or spiel before with just how much the podcast means to me personally. This is, as many of you know, this is the first podcast feed. This is the original podcast feed, the first time that I bought my own podcast feed so that I could get reps while I was working midnight to 6 a.m. at a radio station. I had to get a co-host who was also working overnights for a rock station that was in the same building. The podcast was terrible. I was terrible. He was terrible. There was a chemistry mismatch, and it didn't end up working. But from that podcast grew technically foul with one of my best friends to this day, Julian Council, who, by the way, got a job with NASCAR, I heard. Uh, Shout out to Julian. And then Technically Foul became Tackling Music City when I started covering the Titans. And then Tackling Music City became the 615 Sessions. Because I quit that radio station, and I took my podcast feed with me because at the entire time that I was at the radio station, I was paying for this podcast feed. This was my intellectual property. They weren't going to take this from me. And I wasn't going to let them have it. I would have gone to war. And so, when I came to Austin and Zach, before uh, before A to Z Sports Primetime, before all of the stuff that I now do for the A to Z Sports Network... All I had was this podcast feed. And I had you guys. You know, I had you guys. You are my P1s from the first day. Man, I don't know how many of you have hung around from the jump because we were really, really bad to start. I don't blame you if you didn't. But all I say all that to say that A to Z Sports has really given this thing wings. And so when Austin texted me this morning... That the 615 Sessions had one best sports podcast slash radio show in Nashville in 2020. I, 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 know it's, I know it's the Nashville scene. I know I'm in the same thing as like, you know, best burger in town and stuff like that. So it's not really, you know, I'm not out here winning an Emmy. But any kind of recognition for this particular show, it honestly, it makes me emotional in a way that I don't really get, I mean, I get emotional, I get mad more often than not, and I get stressed, and I get, it's mostly just a mix of stress and angry, but it means a tremendous amount to me that people react to this show the way that they do. It's not even my show. It's your show. It's the guest co hosts show. The show is based around the people who I get to talk to. I'm really just a I'm a very small ancillary part in this. But all of that said, it's been a very very long time with this particular podcast feed, even if it always if it hasn't always been the same podcast. And I I love you guys for it. I love you guys for supporting it. I love you guys for having fun with it and for continuing to be a part of this community for almost 5 years now cuz that's how old this podcast feed is, it's as old as my career, 5 years here in Nashville. And I am uh, I'm forever indebted to you people who listen to this podcast cuz you're I mean you're a part of my family at this point. And I thank you deeply for making the 615 sessions a part of your experience on a regular basis, however it is that you consume us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, whatever the case may be. Uh It's it's fantastic, and it's not possible without all of the other people who come in here and carry my ass. Like it's really, (laughs) it's really, like I said, it's not about me at all. It's just about the people that I bring on for you guys to hear from, and they are always so gracious with their time. And it's about the the interns that help me with the six one five sessions podcast, Reed Besh and Adam Holt, who create the the promotional uh, items for the podcast, the the visual clips. That you see that go out. There's a lot of people that put a lot of time into this pod. And I, you know, I, I've loved every minute of it. And I'm going to continue to do it. And I'm going to continue to rock with you guys. And I hope that this has not all been some kind of pat me on the back segment, because that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> but I'm happy. And um, I'm, I'm just happy. And we'll leave it at that. So, in the meantime, we will speak next on Tuesday. There will be a football game played, Titans Texans at Nissan Stadium. I hope to see many of you there, safely and socially distanced. Of course, I will be there always. Feel free to slide in my DMs on Instagram or Twitter. Say hi. I if I if I have time, I'll come say what's up. I'm always happy to uh, to hang out, to talk some shop. And it was really really great to see a lot of you guys at Nissan Stadium. Support the people that support this show. That's Two Rivers Ford. And our friends at Tame the Beast. But for now, I need you guys to stay safe, stay clean, and as always, for the last five years, stay hot, Nashville. This has been the award winning 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford, and brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com.